Happy 4th of July! For Podcast 25, we're grateful to bring you a very special guest all the way from Wisconsin. Kay interviews Wayne May about his conversion to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Enjoy! As we have uh, discussed in the past, we're going to, at times, deviate just a little bit from some of the things we've been talking about relative to the life of the Prophet Joseph and uh, venture out into areas that are, are similar yet a little different. And today we have a wonderful opportunity to interview a close friend of mine, Wayne May. Wayne, welcome to Utah. Thank you, Kay. It's Good to see to you. Here. Good to see you as always. Wayne and I go back a ways. Um, <laughs> in fact, we go back quite a ways. Quite a ways. About 15 years ago, Wayne and I had an opportunity to tour uh, with Rod Meldrum, and the three of us, referred to on occasion as the Three Amigos, uh, had quite a quite a production going on. Uh, Rod would address uh, geography and DNA related stuff. Wayne was uh, our Indian guru. And I dealt with uh, church history and Joseph. Good team. It was interesting, it was wasn't a good it? Good team. Those were long trips. Yes, it was. <laughs> really long <laughs> trips at times. <laughs> we went from one end of the country to the other, and we saw a lot, and we learned a lot, and we taught a lot. Great groups of people joined us. And then the next opportunity, Wayne, I remember you and I uh, spending some time on both sides of the Mississippi near Nauvoo, in particular across the Mississippi from Nauvoo, looking at sites you were interested in with regards to uh, Indian mounds. That is correct. We covered uh, quite a few. People, you know, what I had to go and find is that I needed to identify Hopewell uh, being up and down the Mississippi River because every the minute you say Hopewell, everybody's mind shifts to Ohio. And I had to find out, well, how much Hopewell is out here in Iowa, Illinois, and maybe even further out into Missouri. And uh, I wasn't disappointed. There is a lot. Uh, there is a lot. And I remember you showcasing a lot of sites. A couple in particular still, uh, still striking. Um, there was one that was kind of an island-ish. It seems like there was water around it, and there was this island, and it was literally a mound itself. Um, I don't know if you recall that particular site or I'm not. I don't remember which one that was. There are several. <laughs> that are similar to that? Yes, that is correct. Well, there are some really fascinating places around Nauvoo, and I thought I knew Nauvoo well. Um, it, was, it was great going with you then. And then you and I had an opportunity to do something that was really kind of fun. Uh, we actually performed some archaeological digs on about 10,000 acres of property right across from Adam on Diamond. That is correct. Uh, it uh, belonged to, um, I'm trying to remember the guys, Mer Merrill? Yes. You're right. Yes. Uh, Brother Merrill. And uh, he, uh, he had a lot of uh, mounds on his place and we were able to actually just what I call a shovel dig, do a real quick scan to see if we could pick up anything on the surface. Uh, Preferably just shards, maybe some flint flakes from points from napping, and uh, we we found we didn't find too much, but uh, the mounds I think were extremely old, uh, and, and again because of the age, you know, the, the good old Midwestern soil things uh, don't last very long; they break down quickly. I know one thing that we did determine is that it, there was a diamond outpost there on that side of the Grand River that uh, had a terrific view of anything that might be coming that direction. There was definitely a, that big hilltop. It overlooked the river. Yes. And uh, I was able to determine there were post holes, post molds, all the way around, and it made a nice big square. So something there about approximately 16 by 16 area, yes. as I recall. Yes. Uh, we don't know how tall, but it wouldn't have taken too much 
because you already had a 360 view off the top of this hill on his property. So uh, any kind of tower, 10, 15 feet or more, would have really accented what we could already see. It was uh, some wonderful times. Wayne and I have uh, uh, dug in the dirt more than once. Well, Wayne, let's talk just a little bit about, uh, about where this all started. Are you native to uh, Wisconsin? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm native to Wisconsin. And uh, I have to tell you what, what happened to me. I, we lived in a small farm village uh, called Boyceville, Wisconsin. My parents moved uh, just 15 miles away into Menominee, Wisconsin. And uh, it was a summer between my third and fourth grade year. And lo and behold, the Red Cedar River that cut through Menominee and both sides, they decided to erect a dam on the Red Cedar. Well, in so doing, the Menominee Park was called Wakanda, and the swimming area was actually a Native American burial ground. Really? Yeah, about 30-plus mounds. So what happened was they knew they were going to lose these under 60 feet of water once the dam was in place. So up comes a team out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and... That summer they labored very intensely and they worked two or three mounds at a time and they basically excavated, as far as I know, all of the mounds. And so I, as a kid, you know, being interested in Indians and cowboys, you know, that's, that's where my mindset was at. Sure. I, whenever I could go down to Wakanda Park, I would run down there as a kid on my bike and uh, we have what's called uh, uh, some really low, uh, we call them scrub oak trees. They, 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 they are oaks but they get they, they stay small they don't get very big so I would scurry up into the oak tree and sit up there above the mounds and I'd watch the archaeologists go down inch by inch every day and as they did that of course the skeletal remains would be revealed just inch by inch and so actually that's kind of where it started for me I just got, wow. I got hooked I mean I was really hooked <laughs> I've never heard that story before yeah. that's incredible well you're a convert to the church yes did any of this tie in to your conversion to the gospel? No. And, and I, I usually, on all my talks, I make that very clear. When I joined this church, uh, the missionaries did not track me out. They came into a menswear store where I was working because one of them needed a pair of trousers. And once I got them suited up, they headed for the door. And actually, my introduction to the church would have been over, except I asked a question. How come the two of you have the same first name? I had never seen anybody called Elder. Elder and Elder. My entire life. I thought, how unusual. So I asked them. And once I said that, they're on me like bees on honey. And uh, it took two and a half years because I was, I was into my sophomore year. And I, I really studied things out very carefully. I wanted to be really, really sure. And let me tell you, before I got baptized, I had a four-point going at school. <laughs> and what I did, I went to all my professors, I said, it was April, school's out about mid-May, I said, if I don't show up for finals, what's my grade going to be? And they said, well, anywhere from, you know, A minus to B plus, and I said, good enough. I jumped in my car, now the missionary that I'd met two and a half years early, or two years earlier, he now is at BYU going to school. So I arranged to come out and meet him, and I stayed with him. I went to classes for a week at BYU. <laughs> I wanted to see if these people really lived what they taught. <laughs> and I found out they did. Well, wow, that's and incredible. I was amazed. They, they were really as clean as they said they were. I mean, I was, sho I was, I was shocked. <laughs> and I went home, and I got baptized. That's quite a story. That's, that's what happened. All because of elder and elder. That's right, elder and elder. My gosh. And, and, and it's funny, I didn't name one of my kids elder. 
I should have. All right, you've got these two tracks going on, a real interest in the archaeology that started at a really young age, and now you've joined the church. So where did this impasse oh, okay. happen? That's, that's interesting because I'm in the church for 18 years. I've taught every, every class in primary, deacon, teacher, priest. Uh, I've been a seminary teacher. I mean, I, Sunday school, the whole nine yards, elder scorn president. I've even been branch president already in that 18-year window. Now, at this point, because I am continuing to read on my own about the archaeology of the Midwest, uh, in particular, Hopewell, my wife and I came out to Salt Lake, 1989. Um, you got to realize that's like 1,400 miles to go to the temple, right? So we would go to the temple, and then the next day, we would, at that time, still in the late 70s, uh, downtown Salt Lake does not look like what it, what it does today. Uh, every third store was a bookstore. Every fourth store was a food storage store. And so she's in the food storage stores. I'm in, in the, the bookstores. Book and we raced to see who could throw the most stuff in the back seat. <laughs> and when it got up to the back window, time to go home. I see. That's what we did. Now, my <laughs> wife is driving the car, and I'm looking at one of my books because I can't get them in Wisconsin, you know. And I, I bought the uh, personal writings of, of Joseph Smith by Dean C. Jesse. Very good. And I'm just paging through this book. And I see this letter from Joseph Smith, June 4, 1834. He's on the banks of the Mississippi, and he writes to Emma. Now, this is the Zion's Camp March. They've crossed Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and they're on the Mississippi. And I can't quote it exactly, but he says, uh, we're sitting here on the banks of the Mississippi. We've just crossed the plains of the Nephites, picking up the skulls and bones as proof of the divine authenticity of the Book of Mormon, signed Joseph Smith, Jr. And now something really crazy happened. I'm sitting there, and I got to tell you, for me, things just, they just came together. And I said to my wife, I said, Chris? And she looked over at me, and she could see I was kind of flustered. She said, what's wrong? And I said, nothing's wrong for me. But I said, Houston, we got a problem. That's what I said to her, hmm. you know, the good old space talk. And uh, that's when it started for me, 1989. Now I spent 89 to 1992 calling Dr. John Sorensen at Farms. I wanted to speak to him and ask him, beg him to send a student out to Wisconsin so I could take him around for a week or two weeks and show them what's out here in the East. Sure. I wasn't out to tear apart Central America or knock down South America or wherever else the Book of Mormon lands are. I just wanted to come see what's in the East. And uh, they, uh, they wouldn't give me time of day. So that's just what it was. And then I, I took and made my first little video and I had a, a Jewish friend, a Catholic friend, and an agnostic. This sounds like a joke. It does, <laughs> but it's not. These are real guys. And I showed them. Now here's the Book of Mormon, and because they knew me, they knew something about what I've been doing because they wondered why I changed my life in such a way. But then when I showed them all this stuff, they said, you got to take this out west. These people got to know what's out here. Hmm. I mean, they were impressed. Yeah. And not even members of the church, and they're not even baptized. So anyway, 93, I began publishing the Ancient American Magazine, and uh, that's when I began to come out here and uh, begin lecturing wherever I could get invited to go. Hmm. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. So for the last 35 plus years, you have been researching 
something that you found interesting when you were in the fourth and fifth grade. Yeah, 1957. Literally. Your, uh, your library is exhaustive. I mean, it's outside of the magazine itself, and it's quarterly, correct? That's correct. And the books that you have, this all came about in 93-ish? Well, 93, yeah. I, I didn't publish my first book till 2000. But I'm doing the magazine right along all the time. Let me ask you a question or two about the magazine because I, I, I've been on your list and received the magazine forever, it seems like. You're, this isn't just devoted to the Adena and Hopewell Indians. No, it's not. It covers everything in the world, literally, in one form or we another. We try to stay in the Western Hemisphere as it's much as possible. It's an incredible magazine. Um, I'm just always been really curious. In a quarterly, four times a year, you have a lot to have to do in a quarter to be able to publish a magazine like this. Yeah, it's it's at, uh, it, yeah. Do you have Do you have a lot of <laughs> folks that are out there looking okay. for and searching for stories? How do you get those? All right, let me tell you. This is how it happens. Okay, uh, starting in the late '60s and then into the '70s, I'm going around to organizations that are talking about ancient history in America. Okay. And these organizations are what's called diffusion clubs. Our schools, universities, elementary school, whatever, they teach isolation. Right. Nobody here before Columbus. Right. Now, these groups I'm going to are saying, uh-uh-uh, there's been other people here right along. And so I'm going to uh, early sites in Indiana. I'm going to uh, Ancient Earthworks in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Louisiana Mound Society, Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, Midwest Epigraphic Society in Ohio, uh, Gunjiwamp in North Carolina, uh, Nira's in New England. I'm going to all these. Isaac in, in Columbus, Georgia. And they're pulling in two and three hundred people at a time, and they've got tremendous people coming forward showing their work. And then I realize the work that they're showing is staying in a regional area, in a region. Hmm. Outside that region, nobody knows what these guys are doing. And that's when the lights came on yeah. to do a magazine and put it out across America. And I've been in Barnes & Noble from coast to coast. Yeah, boy. And these guys supply me with their research. Yeah, these, these magazines are, are unlike any other. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to look at one of Wayne's um, magazines, Ancient America, I would strongly suggest you do so. The topics are, are all over the map, and yet they're, they're all right here. I love them. They're great. So, Wayne, tell me just a little bit when you decided to get into the book business. Well, How did this come about? First of all, let me say this. For, the, for my first readers, I have gotten a lot better. I, I'm not a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's a lot of mistakes in my books, but most everybody's been able to climb over that and continue on. Sure. Because um, I've had to... They've gotten better as I've gone along. Let's put it that way. Because I never intended to do this. This was... I just had all this information I felt I got to put it out there so people can read it because I'm gleaning from the magazine. Yes. All these people around the country are seeing topics that relate to the Book of Mormon. I mean, they're talking our story and they don't know it. They're talking our story. And I was just blown away and I said, I got to get this information out. So the talks were few and far between. I see. But the book, I can get these books out. And uh, it, it was interesting because <laughs> um, I didn't have a lot of distribution at first. But my third book, if you grab this one right here, with uh, that's a church painting on the cover. This was my first aha moment 
because uh, I had to get permission from the church to use the to use the printing here see, yeah. by this lovely painting. It happens to be my my favorite, and I believe the original is in the Logan Temple. And uh, I sent it in. I had the book ready, and I I really didn't think they would do it. I I just thought you know they probably think I'm some wacko out here, and uh, maybe they're right. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, it was about 10 weeks, and I said, okay, I'm not waiting anymore. I had a backup cover. Now, the guy in the church corporate, um, uh, nice fellow, uh, and, and he, was, he was very helpful. And then finally, I get a letter in the mail from him, and he said, uh, go ahead and uh, use the cover. And he told me how to put inside, you know, give the church credit, which sure. I did. Sure. And once I did that, uh, then Deseret picked that up for a while. And uh, I was able then to get one and two in for a while. I got them into Deseret at the, I mean, the uh, bookstore at BYU. Yeah. And so uh, it was picking up a little bit here or there. And plus, I was doing talks now, getting into 2003 when the second one came out, and then five for the next one, and on and on. So then I had something to leave with my people who would come to the lectures rather than just a couple of magazines. They could buy a book and uh, have a good 200-plus pages of great stuff. Well, and that kind of segues into the latest and greatest. I don't know how many books this would constitute, but tell us a little bit about your latest and uh, newest okay. little item. Well, I'm at the point now, I've been doing this for so long, 28 years. I tried to, and even though as, as, as packed as that is, it's, it's almost three and a half hours. It's double discs. And basically, the real, what I feel the real focus, the real important stuff, is all in this DVD, these two DVDs. Mm. Uh, even then, there's still some things I, I would like to have put in there more, but I felt that was enough, and uh, it's it's loaded. And if you got anybody that's saying there's nothing in North America, yeah. show them this, and, and if they still say that when they're done, uh, they're, they got a problem. <laughs> Book of Mormon Geography and Archaeology Two. Yes. There's a one then. There's a one I put out in 2006. Oh, very good. Yeah. That's why I, I wanted to update that one, but I wanted to add to all the stuff that's come in since then. Okay, well, Wayne, tell me now why, why you're here. What, you're on a circuit of sorts. What's, what's with these stops? What's okay, going on? With, with COVID gone, uh, prior to COVID, I had six stops lined up, six lectures, uh, some, some in stake centers, some not in stake centers. It really depends upon the stake president. Sure. And I found that out years ago. Yep. And uh, this time now, I lined up five. I started up in uh, Missoula, Montana. Uh, that was last uh, Thursday, and then I drove down to uh, Boise and did one in Boise in the in the, in the uh, afternoon. And then I was in Meridian for a night hmm. lecture uh, that same day. And then I drove from there down to we went to uh, uh, Elko, Nevada, to see one of my my, my kids and, and grandkids. My wife, I got her along. And then from there we jumped to uh, the Sisters of Liberty. Is that right? Liberty. Yes. That was yesterday, and had a had a fine turnout. Had a lot of fun. It was great. And then now here we are tonight at uh, the home of Trace Tanner, and uh, to meet a nice group of people from uh, this area. And what are you telling these people? What is I'm, this? I'm basically telling them that uh, the promised land is North America. The promised land has always been North America since Joseph's time, and I also support Joseph Smith 100%. Very good. I'm a one-hill guy. I'm not a two-hill guy. One hill. That's it. It's always been one hill. It should have never happened, this connection south of the Rio Grande. It's great archaeology, but it's post-Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. It's not the Book of Mormon story. Very good. 
has your reception been, have you been well received? Oh yeah, very. I, I'm just going to tell you, I received probably, and, and I don't mean to brag on this, I, I get about eight to ten emails or letters a month of people telling me because of what they have seen on YouTube mm -hmm. and my books, my magazines, and in person, they now have a whole new outlook on the Book of Mormon, and it's starting to make a whole lot more sense. Well, you have people that attend your lectures that are not even LDS, are That's they? That's correct. That is correct. That's interesting. Very correct. Interesting. So what's the future for Wayne May? What are you going to do? Well, uh, I'm not getting any younger. That's the bad part. I wish I could be 50 again. Uh, <laughs> Don't we both? Anyway, uh, we are actively working on what I believe is the actual Zarahemla site across from Nauvoo. Yeah. Uh, I raised money with the help of uh, several other guys, and uh, we purchased that site, uh, let's see, 2011. The one I've been to. The one you have yeah. been to. We now own it. It's safe. It's in private hands. Very good. Uh, we do need to raise money. There's nine acres in front of it mm -hmm. uh, that we need to purchase because if someone buys that and we're to put a, a big enough, a two-story building, mm -hmm. we lose our view to the Nauvoo Temple. Yeah, you would. Because our temple site, archaeoastronomy, lines up with the Nauvoo Temple. Mm. I remember the talk by President Hinckley. He talked about how Nauvoo faces west yes. and how Salt Lake faces east. And he called them the bookend temples. Bookend temples, that's right. And my first thought was, well, that's, that's great, but I think it's really going to be... There's another bookend. <laughs> there's going to be one in between Salt Lake and Nauvoo, because it's right there on track. Ah, it's a good step uh, When I find then from, uh, oh, I can't cite it, the manuscript number, it's in the church headquarters, mm -hmm. uh, this fellow named Ed Phillips is talking to Woodruff at the Nauvoo Temple, and Woodruff tells him there's going to be another city built right across from the temple, it's going to be called Zarahemla, and the temple will be built there. And that's in the church. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. That's, yeah. that's most impressive. Okay. Well, Wayne, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you for an interview, for access to your library, how is the best way to deal with that? Well, uh, my site is simply ldsarchaeology.com. Mm. Or uh, they can uh, call me at uh, 715 five zero five six five three zero that's my cell my landline into the office is seven one five nine six two one four two 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 give me a call sounds great i'm there any last thought you'd like to leave our our people you know i i would just say that uh it, it really it, it is so fun to come out here i find the saints a lot of them are they, they know, they're, they're kind of confused between this, this two-hill business, and when they see this, I'm, I'm telling you, nine out of ten are saying, wow, this really makes sense. It resonates. It does. Yes. And, and you know what? I, I have to say this. I, I, I just have to speak, and I think the Spirit does the closing. Yeah. Because that's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how it's supposed to work. That's correct. Okay. Wayne, my friend, it's been a pleasure. All right, Kay. Best of luck to you in the future. You too. Good to see you again. I'd like to uh, thank Wayne for being with us. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to see him again. It's been a number of years, but we've done some things together, put some dirt under our feet, and it's been great. And we'll have other lectures similar to this in the future. Um, our next podcast that I'll be doing will be dealing with the trial of five individuals accused of the murder of Joseph Smith. And we'll see how far that goes. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening today and for sharing this comefollowme2021.com website. 
We sure appreciate those who have been contributing on our Patreon page under Latter-day Media. To contact Kay, email him at footstepsofjoseph at gmail.com. Oh, my God.